0: Welcome to Translation Confidential. This is Peter Argendizo, and I'm joined by Patrick Daly, and this uh, this episode is the year in review. So, Patrick, why don't we get started with uh, a new story that you found?
1: Yep, so with the end of the year and new year coming up, uh, that means that in college football it's the season for all of the bowl games, uh, which are usually pretty interesting. Um, so the other day while I was looking through the list of you know who's playing in the bowl games, what... Sponsors they get this year, I found I came across um, that TransPerfect, which is we think the second or third biggest uh, company in the translation space, is sponsoring a bowl game this year. It's actually the second year they're doing it, um, so they're sponsoring the Music City Bowl, which is, this year is a matchup between Purdue and Tennessee. So I just found that super interesting. You know, I think in the translation industry, we feel like no one knows what we do or what companies exist in the translation space so it's really cool to see that on a national scale to to have a company kind of get their name out there
0: yeah i definitely see that as a positive that's kind of uh
1: mainstreaming
0: translation which is pretty cool i may have to actually tune into the bowl because i'm assuming they'll probably have some ads or something or
1: it's uh the big logo at at the middle of the field should be with the with the transperfect logo on the top of it i did take a look before we we jumped on the show today but yeah i mean it's just it's it's interesting the the wide range of sponsors you can get on those games. We were talking before too. You can get you know a mayonnaise company or something as big as PlayStation, which I think is a household name, and then something you know as far out there as a translation company or or mayonnaise. That is uh, super interesting. I think it's going to be uh, fun to see what sort of
0: uh, engagement they get if there's going to be some ads or. Because um, I think, as we recall, well, no, that wasn't TransPerfect. That was Berlitz that did those all, all those funny translation ads. So I think it'd be a good opportunity for them to uh, to do something with some levity. But all right, interesting. Well, we'll keep, keep uh, stay tuned for that. And Patrick, this show uh, is one that I, I like a lot because we just look back at all of our favorite episodes from the year and just do a little, uh, little highlight piece from each one. And why don't you get us started with, your number. What are we going to go backwards? Three,
1: two, one, or how are
0: we going to do this?
1: Uh, well, let's let's go with my favorite of dealer's choice. Just however you want to do it. <laughs> yeah, sure, absolutely. Favorite. Um, let's go like that. Yeah. So one of my favorites from this year was um, it was an episode titled "What Makes Translation Difficult." Um, so that was where we dove into things that clients do that maybe give your project manager gray hairs or make them um, you know a little frustrated with things you, that would be like rewriting the English while you're already in translation. It's just things that, basically, things you should avoid doing whenever you're working on a translation project. Um, you know, we try to take the positive tone on a lot of episodes, but um, sometimes it's just what you shouldn't do.
0: <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I thought that was a, a super valuable episode, right? If you were just getting started in translation, I th- I think... A show like that is really good because you say, well, hey, here's a list of no-nos. Here's a a, a list of the things that um, will make my life more difficult when I do translation. So, yeah, I like that one a lot. I know it's one of our more popular ones in terms of listens as well. So um, that's great, Patrick. Well, then I will give my favorite since we're going that that way. And for me, it was... um, the show we did with Florian uh, from Slater, I thought that was really good. We had really great dialogue, a lot of interesting topics discussed. We got his take on what's going to happen in the translation industry uh, next year and what's going to happen with trade conferences and shows. Um, so I, I, I thought that one was really good. So I listed that one as my favorite. That's episode 70 called Translation Industry Trends, uh, in it, case you're looking for that one.
1: Yeah, I did enjoy that one, too. Um, now people will believe us when we say, hey, we saw this news story on Slater that we actually went directly to the source um, and actually talked to to people from Slater. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that, like we mentioned, Slater is usually the number one spot for any translation industry news or trends or anything. So really getting to pick Florian's brain and really see his perspective on things besides just, you know, reading news articles on their site and actually talking to a person from Slater is I thought it was really cool. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, Patrick, you're number two. Um, so another one of my favorites was when we talked with um, our friend Kyle, who is the guru of all things WordPress and WPML. Um, that one was super interesting to me. Um, I feel like when I was when I was working at Argo, one of the things I did most was websites. Um, and those can be really complicated if you don't know what you're doing. So having that expert like Kyle in our corner, um, to help clients through things that they may not know they may not be a developer. They just may be the marketing person who's like, okay, we need to translate our website and they really don't have the technical know-how to navigate website translation. So having one Argo in your corner and two, a developer like Kyle to help with any WordPress or website translation projects is, was a super valuable resource.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I enjoyed that show as well because WordPress um, really is the most common platform that we handle uh, in terms of website translation, and I think that's that's just a numbers game, right? Uh, uh, WordPress is the most popular CMS on the planet, so uh, it's just, you know, the odds are. So it was good to go over... It's kind of the way that he looks at website translation projects how he uses WPml some no-nos some things to look for so I I, I also thought that was a really really good site I'm glad we are a really good podcast I'm glad we did that that episode this year I know we've talked about WordPress certainly multiple times uh, over the, the the years that we've been um, doing the podcast but uh, yeah it was really good to get Kyle's uh, perspective and uh, he's just a really really great really great guy so it was good to have him on the show.
1: Yeah and I know you've mentioned too that you've seen a, a pretty big increase in the site the number of requests to translate WordPress sites coming through. So I mean it, like you said, it's not going anywhere and I think the demand for websites or content on WordPress sites is just gonna keep going up and up and up. Yeah, definitely.
0: Um, it it is, it is crazy how that's really just ballooned, I would say, in the second half of the year. Um, and the thing that's cool about WordPress is, I mean, you can do a website for, you know, a small organization, you know, a a one person shop or a podcast or a blog site, uh, or even just, you know, a little sort of call it a brochure site for a, a one person company or, um, it can be a Fortune 500 that handles their website in WordPress. It, it is a very flexible and cool platform. And from a translation perspective, certainly the one that's the easiest to manage and the least expensive in terms of what you need um, to handle translation. Uh, the, the plugin is super approachable, and you can pretty much get up and running pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, I think you mentioned, too, and correct me if I'm wrong, that WPML is the number one plug WordPress, just yeah. even platform-wide. So even with all the other SEO or other marketing plugins you can have, the one to enable translation is by far the most popular one.
0: It's kind of crazy. I wonder when they're going to get a bowl game. I mean, they probably should, right? Maybe next year. Yeah. Or maybe a soccer team since I think they're <laughs> a European company. So you, maybe they'll, they'll sponsor something in uh, the British League or the Premier League. So Great. All right. Well, Patrick, um, let's see. For me, my second one, I think, I'm going to go with the Argo Way shows that we did. That was episode 60 and 61. And, um, you know, I'm in a couple different uh, sort of business owners groups and – That initiative always resonates really well with my colleagues um, because it's something that you know they'd like to see in their organization. And I know this is sort of a twenty-seven years in coming sort of thing. You know, we've been building our culture, so it's nice to sort of—I hate to use the word codify. I don't know that we sort of codified our culture. I would just say it was more of like getting the ideas down on paper and saying, "Hey, this is this this is this is the way we're wired." I think it's a really nice recruiting piece. And I think it's um, – the ideas and the principles go beyond really any type of business. It doesn't have to be a translation business. And um, I just – I think it's had a lot of impact on our organization, and I know I've shared uh, the materials with, uh, with others, with colleagues, and uh, they, they thought it was uh, a, a really great exercise because it came from our culture, essentially. It came from our people, and, and I love what we're doing now which I don't know if we were doing that at the time we did the episodes, but now, um, you know, every week, uh, someone in the organization grabs one of the fundamentals and does a little video on what, what that fundamental behavior means to them and um, puts an example out there of, uh, of maybe a behavior that they, uh, that they observed inside the company and, and how that impacted things. So I, for me, I, I, I really like those two episodes a lot.
1: Yeah, I think um, we talked about it recently too. You know, you have to be intentional with culture, and I think putting that formal framework around culture really helps because it gives you that something to fall back on, something to look to, to reference, and be like, hey, you know, this is how we should be doing things. Hopefully, this is how we are doing things. Um, and if you are doing it, you know, stick to it. And if you're not, then obviously that gives you that that room for improvement to you know get back to the level. That you should be doing things. Um, but like we talked about before, too, I think culture is just super important overall and really having the Argo way and those fundamentals living around culture. It's, I mean, it's really cool. And I think that most everyone in the organization does a really good job of living and breathing those fundamentals like every day. It's really not something like, oh, I need to work harder on number 13. It's just people live and breathe these things every day.
0: Yeah. and I think you know uh, we can credit the people in the organization right I mean it's because uh, what happens is especially on a smaller team you know if you have a few people that are sort of rowing in the wrong direction or uh, not living the culture it sticks out right and it sort of becomes self corrective it's sort of uh, um, sort of it sort of becomes something like a check and balance almost and uh, you know I, I I think it's good when it, when it doesn't feel like work. In other words, that it's like, oh, well, this is just kind of the right way to do this or this is the right way to handle this. Uh, that's really good. And I like the idea of a framework. I know there's a, a lot of uh, our colleagues that you know use it as a framework for decision-making as well, which is really good. So uh, for those of you that are looking to build culture, I think those would be a couple of good episodes to listen to, 60 and 61. So the Argo Way Part 1 and Part 2. Patrick, you're next. I think this is this is your last one. It is, unless I throw you a curveball and, and go you off should. script. I, I would, ho- I would hope so, Patrick. I would expect no less from you. So,
1: um, so this one is actually probably my favorite one. Um, I know it seems like just another venting episode for us, but it was the hard truth that your LSP won't tell you. I'm sensing um, anger. Patrick. <laughs> no, but I think the value in that one is that um, a lot of companies you work with might tell you what you want to hear. But I think sometimes, and not sometimes, a lot of the time, you, companies should tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear, and really, you know, cut through, maybe for lack of a better term, some of the BS and the fluff and really just get right to the point and say, you know, say what you're thinking. That's one of the uh, the fundamentals on the Argo way is speak straight, which is say what you mean and mean what you say. Um, so that, that really is the heart of that episode for me. And it's really for the best interest of the translation buyer, right? Like, we as a translation provider are the experts in the translation industry. We know when things will work, things won't work. So really listening to that advice um, is really going to pay dividends for you as, as a buyer of translation.
0: Yeah, I, that was a great episode, Patrick. I, I... I should have just co-opted your list. I really should have because <laughs> I, I, I like the same ones as well. I mean, I don't know. I think we had a good year in terms of the show and really had some some really good information. And again, that would be a, a great episode if you, you're just getting started in translation and – you want to learn some of the things to stay away from or some of the things that are, are really like sticking points in projects. That, that Another great ep- episode. And uh, I, I liked the theme of it, which is exactly what you're saying, sort of the honest counselor or, um, you know, speaking straight to, to clients. Because, you know, all too often in whatever business it is, it doesn't even have to be translation is exactly people are sort of just uh, saying whatever their customers want to hear. And all that does is lead to disappointment in the future right? If you can, you know, give that honest, hard truth about a project and, hey, this project's in danger because of these reasons, or this project's going to cost three times more than it needs to because of these reasons, um, you want to gravitate towards that provider. I mean, the one, because here's the thing, the last thing you want is an empty or shallow process and or promise, and then it doesn't happen. The right thing doesn't happen. So I... I uh, I like that show a lot, and you, you, I guess maybe we were venting a little bit, but I, I think it was creative. It was like sort of like it's creative, positive venting, right? positive venting. Absolutely, <laughs> I I like that a lot. Um, but again, for the benefit uh, for the benefit of those getting involved in translation, so I like that show a lot. Um, any comments on that one before I move to my last one, Patrick? Which I'm not going to throw you a curveball. This to be my last one.
1: <laughs> no, I'll let you. I'll let you go first, and then maybe throw you a curveball after that. Yeah. Okay. Good. I hope so.
0: Um, for me, it was the last episode we just did. I really liked that one. Um, we had a little bit different angle on that. The show was episode 71 and People Power, and. You know, if you look back at the history of uh, of this podcast, you know we've spoken about machine translation on a lot of our different shows. And, uh, you know, again, if I can't stress enough that we are not anti-machine translation. In fact, you know, we think it's just a tool. You know, as if, you know, when you look at the set of knives you have and you're getting ready to cook, you have a certain knife that you use, you know, to work with poultry, or you have a certain knife you use to mince vegetables, uh... Machine translation is just another knife. It's just another tool. It's just another arrow in your quiver, however you want to think of it. But really the way you should be thinking about what goes on in this industry is people power. And whether that's the quality of the translators that are working on your projects, obviously that's very important, the quality of your project managers, the quality of the organization that's standing behind and creating translation for you, um, it's huge. I mean, it's it's really the number one factor. And if I think in terms of Argo's success over the last few years, uh, especially, I mean, we've been growing like crazy. I can attribute it directly to the quality of the people that we're bringing in the front door. I mean, the people that are – and Patrick, obviously, you're included in that. It doesn't matter that <laughs> – doesn't matter that you left. I'm kidding. I'm teasing. Um, it's just really high quality. And and to be honest with you, customers as well, the company you left for, super high quality. Uh, if you can be proud of every single customer you have and every vendor you have and every coworker you have, I mean, that's that says a lot. And uh, I think we work for really quality organizations as well. Good things happen. You know, you've got a good vendor, a good customer, a good, honest relationship Amazing things happen at that margin for sure.
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's definitely a testament. And honestly, everyone I've talked to at my new job is like, you know, a lot of people ask, where'd you work before? And they're like, oh, yeah, we, I'm like, I, I worked at Argo. I'm like, oh, yeah, we love them. So that's I mean, everyone there says that too. whenever, you know, I, I do meet and greets with people I haven't met yet or anything like that. Um, so I know one of the things that I'm not sure if it's still on the wall there, but we wanted to create lifelong fans. I think that was in, uh, is it the mission statement maybe? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. so I think, I mean, going somewhere else now, I have a little different perspective. I can see that, you know, we do have these fans out there in our customer base. So, and that's really a testament, like you said, to the people who, who work on those accounts. Yes, we have a lot of great technology that's in place, but that really just is empowering the people to do their best work. So it's not to say that you know it's people only and technology is just out the window. It's really using technology to help people do the best job, do the best work that they can.
0: Yeah, 100% Patrick. You, you you're right and I'm I'm glad you brought technology into that cuz you certainly have to have the right levers, right? But you have to have the right people to pull those levers too. I mean, and, that's And I think really the, key. the
1: lack of technology could Banish good people if you don't have good enough systems for people to do their best work and they're fighting against technology every day, you know you're gonna have a negative effect from that, obviously, yeah, I mean, that
0: was something I remember uh talk about life lessons and uh this year was a tough year I lost my my father in- law as well, but I remember one of the business lessons he talked to me always about was um you know never let the never let the system tell your people what to do, in other words you know, the system shouldn't be the thing that makes you like, oh, we can't do that. You know, we can't do that because of the system or whatever the case is. He's like, always make sure it's a good process and the technology flows from there. And you're, you're absolutely right. If you have, if you have, if you have crappy te- tech uh, or a bad tech stack and your people are limited and, you know, it takes them three hours to do a purchase order or something. I mean, that's, you don't want to live in that space. And it's funny. I do hear it, right? I'm, I'm in a, an, a translation agency owners group and one of the things we always talk about is tech and tech limitations and you know we we use a bit of a custom approach it's fit fitted to how we do things but some of the other folks are using
1: you know some some project management systems that are off the shelf and all i hear are complaints you know so (laughs) i mean yeah and you the worst thing i think you can have happen is to have your technology make people leave your organization like you don't want to have a project manager leave because they're like, eh, it's just too hard to do my job. It's it's too much of a pain. You want to have it have it be easy so they can be as efficient as possible and and really churn through a bunch of work as fast as they possibly can. Uh, absolutely,
0: absolutely. To be as effective as as humanly possible, that's really what the that's really what the uh, the tech should do. So, all right, Patrick, I'm ready for this curveball. What do you got for me? All
1: right, I just did a little searching on the side while we were talking. Um, and I'm always curious to see um, how many people listen to us, and you know who who is listening to us. So I found a blog list of the top 35 translation and interpretation podcasts in the world, and right now we sit at number 15. So I thought that that was pretty cool.
0: Hey, that's pretty great! Wow, well, great discovery, Patrick. Well, I'm I'm glad that folks like to listen to our podcast. We are going to do our absolute best to continue to uh, provide good information um, for our industry, and uh, in fact, our, our next show and the last show of the year is going to be a look forward. Um, so we're going to um, look at some of the issues that we think will be impacting uh, the industry next year. So. You know, please tune in for that. I, I, I'm not going to ask you your favorite thing, Patrick, because we just did. That's <laughs> literally what this show was, is to talk about your favorite thing for the entire podcast. But how about this? How about, I'm going to throw you a curveball. I know every once in a while. How about if you tell me what your favorite holiday tradition is?
1: And I'll give you mine. Um,. Well, my joke answer would be watching the episode of Seinfeld where Festivus is born because well, that, that's that one show. is hilarious. And it's Kimberly's birthday, so there's that, it our, is. Our, our production manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seinfeld's awesome. It's one of my favorite shows, so I always joke with people that I'm going to uh, test them on the feats of strength. Because uh, that was one of the festivist <laughs> traditions, uh, but one of my my actual ones is arguing with people that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. You know, I'm 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 in your camp. If if
0: your answer is yes on that, and and it always makes the lists of favorite Christmas movies, so I think that that's you're you're correct. <laughs> well, that's great, Patrick. Well, for me, my favorite holiday tradition. Uh, is really sort of about food and family, right? Getting together with friends and sharing some old recipes, or you know, having some sweets or desserts or, or treats that have been made over the years in your family. And uh, you know, I was very fortunate. Over the weekend, uh, we had our holiday party, but then also got together with uh, some friends of uh, my wife Jackie, and it was really a lot of fun just to see people. And I, I'm, I'm excited that. You know, the, the pandemic certainly isn't over. There's no question it's not over. In fact, you know, the, over the weekend, uh, we lost uh, a friend of the family uh, to COVID, had other symptoms or other underlying factors, which is uh, unfortunately a thing that really amplifies what happens with, uh, with COVID. Uh, but I am glad that, you know, because of vaccinations or, um, you know, sort of uh, the steps that we're taking, We've been able to see people again. So my favorite tradition is getting together with people and sharing uh, cool recipes. And I'm going to make my mom's uh, uh, famous um, cookie that's made with, like, fig nectar. I'm going to do that this coming weekend, and I'm excited about that. And, um, you know, just fun to get back into some of those traditions. I know we've all had to sort of squash and quell some of the things we've been doing over the last couple of years, and rightfully so. I get it. Uh, but i'm I'm glad to get back to some of those old traditions
1: yeah I know last year was was tough for a lot of people and not having that that holiday season where you come back together and get to see everyone and catch up with everyone really kind of sucked so I think mm-hmm. like you said where everyone's pretty happy to you know there's still obviously precautions in place but I think the small gatherings are are getting more and more safe so I think just being able to see like you said friends and family and and celebrate the holiday season is I think it's going to be a big, big lift for everyone this year.
0: Yeah, let's hope for the best. Let's hope that, uh, you know, we don't see a huge uptick, that everybody stays safe, but everybody's able to enjoy some time with friends and family. So for both of us, we'll wish you um, a happy holiday season, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, um, however you choose to celebrate. So thank you so much. And for this episode of Translation Confidential, this is Peter Argendizo and Patrick Daly signing.